Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew Starner, and I'm so glad that you're here. You know, we've been so encouraged by the response to our first couple of episodes. When we started this experiment, we weren't even sure anyone would listen, but the numbers keep going up, and we're already amazed by the comments that we've gotten. Thanks for listening, and we hope you continue to join us each week as we strive to be Everyday Disciples. On today's episode, I talk with Aiden Hunt and C.J. Jaluso about a topic that strikes fear in the hearts of so many Christians, praying in public. We'll talk about how to pray in public without passing out, and we'll see that you know it might not be quite as hard as we make it seem. In the second segment, we continue a conversation from our first episode with Pastor Rob Appold about suffering, this time talking about how we can come alongside someone who's walking through a difficult time. And lastly, Aiden Hunt and I take a look at one of those weird Bible stories that you don't hear about in church or Sunday school very often, Bald Elisha and the Bears. We've got some great stuff ahead. Let's go. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Once again, I'm Pastor Matthew Starner, and I'm joined again by Aiden Hunt and CJ Jaluso. And uh, we are here today on a, a segment we're calling How To. We decided to call this one How to Pray in Public Without Passing Out. So, oftentimes, as uh, leaders in different ministries around here, we pray in public all the time, whether that's uh, like in worship, in uh, small group settings, in meetings, in youth group, and things like that. And uh, I know for a lot of people, the idea of praying in public just, it's like, it's, it's like a step worse than uh, public speaking, right? That's, that's the one thing everybody's afraid of. And so I thought we'd gather this group around here to, to kind of maybe share some ideas for folks. Um, how do you approach that? that? Praying in public, I mean, ideally, should be something every Christian should be able to do, right? Um, it doesn't take any special training. It doesn't take any special skills. I went through seminary and never had a class on prayer. We talked about it at different times, but it was never a, a, a class on how to get up and pray in public. Um, but it's something that I think people think is harder than it is. Maybe just for, for everybody else's sake around here, um, do you remember one of the first times that you had to pray in public, like at a small group or a meeting or something? How did you feel that first time that you were in that situation the, the first one from like a larger group standpoint was i prayed for a meal at a camp for the whole camp so they were like but it wasn't that many people i think it was like 120 people which is still quite a bit um but they asked me to pray before lunch one day and i just remember being like i don't i don't know how to how to do that in front of this many people um but I, it went fine i didn't you know the food i think was blessed so no one no one choked and died so like i think it went fine um but yeah, I definitely think I overthought it, and I think a lot of people overthink praying in public, but I think that's the first one I can remember was in my mind. The first time I've re I have really prayed in public, um, I was a junior in high school, and I was a student leader at a Youth for Christ group. Uh, we were basically leading the middle schoolers, and after the group, um, as we were closing, all the leaders were coming together and talking about the day, doing highs and lows, kind of talking about God sightings. And they asked me to pray. They asked me to close in prayer. And at first, I, I was just like, yeah, I can close in prayer. And then I went to pray, and I, and I stuttered. I started well, you know, just praying how you pray, and I stuttered. And at that point, I froze for a second. And I ended up bringing it back together um, and closing the prayer, but it was really like a, 
it was a nerve-wracking moment. I even think praying in public is a little bit above kind of public speaking to an extent. I've had those moments when, uh, so like when I'm closing out a sermon and doing a prayer, um, very rarely will I ever write out that prayer. Usually it's just a, a prayer from the heart, you know, as I'm closing the sermon. And sometimes you get going down a, down a, a, a trail of thought, and then it's like, wait a minute, this is going nowhere. And, and you start like overthinking, where am I going? What, what, what am I trying to say here? And I get too inside my head. And then that's when I start doing that, um, uh, 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 and have all those awkward pauses. And yeah, it's, those are those. Amen. Right. Like, yeah. Just, just quick, get to the amen, <laughs> get to the amen. We're going to be okay. So, so I don't think, uh, you know, for anybody, you know, praying in public maybe doesn't come supernatural for everybody. Um, but uh, it is something that all of us Christians should be able to do. It, after all, prayer is simply talking to God, right? It's, it's not like it's um, a incantation or some sort of formulation of words that we're saying for something. We're just sharing our heart with God. Uh, but it's, it's something that we're, we're maybe more comfortable doing in private, right? It feels like more of an intimate conversation with God that way. And so maybe that's one, one of the places where some people get... Uh, what tripped up in that I'm used to doing this sort of intimate thing and now I have to do it in front of people and everybody's going to hear me and hear the, the words that I say that, that can seem a little bit scary. I get that. Prayer is a very intimate thing. If we think of, you know, prayer is our communication with God. It's how we both speak to him and listen to him. Because um, it's a conversation, like you said, like it's it's us talking to God and it's us spending intentional time with Him. And to do that in front of a bunch of people, corporate prayer, like, can be very intimidating because we don't want to say the wrong thing, we don't want to, you know, mess up. We want people to think, oh, we're good prayers and we're we're so we say such eloquent words and we're beautiful speakers. But I, and I heard this quote, I think a few months ago. But the best way to think about prayer, both in your in your personal, you know, intimate time with the Lord, but also in front of other people is prayer is not a place to perform. It's a place to be present and prayer is not a place to be perfect. It's a place to be honest. So if your prayers are just present and honest, that is the best way to pray. There's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, but it's you sharing your heart with those around you. And if you're praying by the spirit, I mean, I've throughout my life, I've become so much more comfortable praying in, in a public setting and leading prayer. Um, just for the fact that I think that I, I kind of call on the Spirit more for prayer. Um, I, I ask the Spirit to make itself present um, and kind of use my words for himself. And I and I found, like, I've become a lot more comfortable in the prayer setting. And, and in, when, in all doubt, when I start to stutter, I just start up the Lord's Prayer. It is helpful uh, growing up in a tradition that, that values something like the Lord's Prayer, uh, some of those those kind of common shared prayers that we can we can say together those are, are always helpful I, I think for some people in I don't know different strains of Christianity there's almost like a disdain for that sort of thing like those aren't real prayers because you've memorized that those are those are just words you know they're not your words and I don't think that's true I think we can pray those words that we've memorized and, and cherish in our heart we, we can pray those with just as much meaning as the words that I pray off the cuff in in the moment. Uh, they can have that same same value, so don't be afraid to to go to those prayers that you know and are familiar with. Especially considering in Matthew six, when Jesus teaches, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's teaching a lot of people how to say 
this prayer, he says, therefore, you should pray like this. And then our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are all the prayers that we, things we want to say when we pray is, you know, God, you are hallowed. You are holy. And I am, I belong to you. Also, like, lead us to do what you are calling us to do. Like, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, this is your kingdom. Like, this is a place for you to be glorified. Like, use us in your way. Like, that's a, it's a great prayer because it covers all of the bases. And also, it's the one that Jesus literally told people to pray. Like, And the, th- best, the best part of that, though, and, and what I think is so helpful for us to remember is, is those words that Jesus says when he sets it up. When you pray, pray like this, not pray these words. You know, so that he's giving us a pattern. We can pray those words, but... We, we get to we get to pray in that same vein of we're talking to our father and we're, we're after the things of the kingdom uh, we're setting our heart on those things it's it's a pattern for us to follow which is so helpful it's not like those are the only ways that we can pray or we've got to pray with flowery language or you know, poetic language or that kind of stuff if that's your gift go for it most of us aren't wired that way to pray especially off the cuff in a poetic sort of a way and so just using the words that are on our heart to speak to our Father, I think that's huge. And there's a significance to not only just reciting the Lord's Prayer, but actually saying it and meaning it and, and understanding the words that you're saying and less of more just like reciting a poem and, and, and praying to your Father in heaven. So maybe one of the other ways that we can talk about prayer here for, for folks who, are, who find themselves, whether that's in a small group setting, in a meeting setting, in, in family setting, doing devotions, and you're just going to lead prayer with your, your spouse and your kids, what are some, some maybe patterns that you've followed? If, if you kind of maybe have a, like a framework for prayer or some, some ways that you kind of approach that to kind of think through the words that we're saying you certainly can do sort of this, what I call like stream of consciousness prayer, which is usually like my prayer at night as I'm falling asleep as it's all the different things that are running through my head. But sometimes those aren't the most helpful in those sorts of settings. So what, what have you guys used and found helpful in those sort of scenarios? So when I come to, when, when I come to God in prayer, I always try to start by, by being thankful. Um, I offer up my gratitude towards him. Um, and then I try to humble myself, and then that's when I, I get into kind of the stuff that I feel that weighs on my heart that I, I think I want to see God work in, um, whether that's for the sick, whether that's for someone I know personally who's dealing with some rough stuff, um, whether that's a depression, anxiety in a family member's life, and kind of come with those, um, those requests. Um, and then I lead more into asking for thanks or asking for forgiveness, thanking him for Jesus and trying to trying to end the prayer by asking for his will to be done in my life because I could I could have a list of things that I want God to do but maybe that's not what he wants to do and I think I think there's an importance to understanding that God's view and God's way is different than ours to an extent now I mean when you're walking by the spirit and praying to to God in all things now maybe your will can become his will there's an acronym P-R-A-Y, that people use. Now, I think the P is praise. So like when you pray, like open your prayer with praise, like praising God, um, and then repent. So confess the things that you've done, your sins to him. A is ask, I believe. And I don't know what, so like ask for your, the things you were asking God for. And you can pray boldly. 
And the why, I don't know what the why is. I usually treat, do you know what it is? Yeah. What is it? Why is yield. Yield. Oh, yeah. that's a good, to, I always. To yield to, to like like you were just saying, yeah. you know, CJ, um, you know, to kind of offer it up to, to God, but then whatever your will okay. is God. The why, the why I always say in my mind is yearn. It's oh, like, like, I like that too. It's kind of similar to yielding, but it's like sure. yearning for the things that like you want to see God do, and like for the for the ways that He will He will appear. Um, I think that's one really good way. If you're like looking for a nice, if you're a format person, you want that. That's a good way to do it. Um, I think an important practice for prayers is uh, befriending silence. It's like learning how to be okay with silence and not have things play in the background because the silence is where like you can really not only speak to God fully, but you can hear him as well. Because a conversation is not one way and the Lord will put words on your heart and he'll speak to you. Maybe not audibly, um, but he will you know, put things in your in your heart and in your mind that you're thinking this might be from God. And so when you listen to him, it's really important that you that you do that in prayer. Um, that's both, uh, you know, by yourself and in public when you're <laughs> publicly praying. Um, and I think another part of public prayer that I think people want to be better as like praying for other people. So like when somebody asks you for prayer, I think it's it's wonderful when you have your prayer time to like, you know, pray over their names and pray over the things that they they're asking for. And that's a wonderful practice. But if you ever pray for somebody on the spot, oh, that really hits them in a different way. Cuz if somebody asks you for prayer and they're like, "Okay, let's pray for that right now." And they're they're kind of caught off by that. Like, "Oh, wait, what? You're going to do that?" Um, I have a friend who's really good at that. We call her a prayer warrior cuz she is like she's she's a, she's amazing at prayer. Like one of those people who's just gifted and speaking to God, not in like a really eloquent, fancy way. She just like pours her heart out to him right on the spot. And and I think yielding is a good way of, of thinking about it. She really just yields to whatever the Father is, is saying. And she, like if you ask her for prayer, she will pray for you on the spot. And it just, I don't know what it is, but it's, it feels more meaningful when she, and maybe it's because I know they're praying for me instead of <laughs> they will pray for me or I've asked them to, but no, I know you are definitely praying. It's, it's the... You know, on online or, you know, so many times you see somebody ask a prayer request and, and folks will comment like, oh, you know, sending thoughts your way or whatever. Like this, I actually get to hear the thought. I get to hear the prayers. You know, you are you are going before the throne of God with this request for me and I'm hearing it like that's a that's a big deal. Um, I remember I had a, a an encounter like that one time I was uh, having lunch with another pastor and we were talking about church stuff. And, and this was years ago. This was like long before I was ever, I, I was only a worship guy at the time. I was not in, even thinking about going to seminary yet. And uh, somebody at a table just a couple down from us at the restaurant heard that we must have been pastors, came over. I don't remember what the situation was that was going on, but he asked if we would pray for him. And the pastor that I was with spoke up right away. He was like, you know, let's, can we pray for, about that right now? And I really appreciated what he said. Cause he was like, we're not going to fold our hands. We're not going to hold hands here in the restaurant. We're not going to close our eyes and get weird. We're just going to, we're just going to talk and, and talk to God. Cause he hears us. And he just, you know, simple lifted up that request that that gentleman shared with us. And I, I mean, his, the guy who asked the request was touched. I was too, just like being there as this participant um, and, and getting to pray now for this person. And it, the whole thing, the whole encounter with the request and everything maybe took a minute and a half uh, from the start of the conversation to when the guy went back to his table. It was just a simple thing. But, uh, man, I'm sure that made a difference for that guy. And, and I've remembered it all these years later. There have been times when you know somebody will call me up and is going through a hard time, and I'm in the car driving down the road, and, well, let's pray about that right now. So mm. I'm not closing my eyes. I'm, I got <laughs> you know hands on the wheel here where the task is at hand, but mm -hmm. we're going to talk to God about this situation. 
Mm. Uh, just kind of maybe circling back for a second to those different patterns that we talked about with prayer. Uh, one of the things that I appreciated, um, so, you know, CJ, you kind of talked about your, your pattern that you follow. Um, uh, Aiden, you were talking about kind of the pray uh, acronym. I know there's other ones like acts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Um, there's, there's, there's different ways you can do it. And the great thing is there's no, there's no one right way to pray. That's the biggest takeaway I think I want anybody who's listening to, to get from this. However you come before God in prayer, lifting up your heart, whether that's uh, between you and God individually or with other people listening in, that God hears your prayers. You don't have to get his attention with flowery language, with uh, saying it the quote-unquote right way. Uh, you just, just pray. Open up your heart and uh, speak before God. When in doubt, keep it short, keep it simple. And because uh, the food's gonna get cold, if, if, you, <laughs> right. if your prayer for dinner, if your blessing is going way too overboard, people are like, "Okay, let's keep this." And, and the good going. thing to remember too, you, you know, God, God knows the cares that are on our hearts even oh, yeah. before we bring them. Now that doesn't mean He doesn't still want to hear from us, right? Uh, as a parent, you know maybe what your kids want, but even before they ask about it, but you still want to talk to your kids. You want to hear that from them. You want to hear their heart, and God wants that from us too. And so, you know, go before God, pray, and and recognize everybody is scared the first few times they do that. And eventually, I should say, like I still, at the end of a sermon or during service when I pray, my heart still still like speeds up a little bit. I still get little butterflies in my stomach. And you know maybe the trick is getting those butterflies to fly in formation um, and just lean into it that, you know what, it's nerves, but God's the one who's listening and everybody else is praying along too. So... Great. Thanks, guys, for being a part of this. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk about uh, some, some spiritual how-tos. All right. Well, once again, I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob, and uh, we're here for another deep dive. And last time on this segment, we were talking about the, the nice, pleasant topic of suffering. Mm-hmm. And why is there suffering in the world? And... Uh, we had a good conversation about that. Oh, it was great. Um, good to kind of you know start to dig into why do bad things happen in this world and maybe how to have a little bit more of a, uh, a godly perspective on when those things happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned a, a story in the Bible uh, from about David that that we were we were trying to look up quick on the fly as that happened and right we, it's one of those you never hear about right or right it's not very... a Sunday school story it's not one that often gets uh, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it I know I've never preached one I've never preached on it either and so I wanted to just kind of revisit that story here at the beginning um, so for those who are wondering um, we're at First uh, Chronicles chapter twenty one mm-hmm. um, I think we were a little too. Too yeah, we were too deep into, yeah. into First Chronicles um, last time, but uh, chapter twenty-one. Um, again, this is well. Chronicles is probably not a, a book that people spend a whole lot of time right. in, um, but a lot of stories about David in here. And this this story, just to kind of summarize it, we don't have to read it verse for verse here, um, but to just by way of summary, in, in chapter twenty-one, Satan comes to. David basically and, and tells like tempts David basically to take a census of the people of Israel. Is mm-hmm. that right? And David does that. Yes. Which seems like kind of an odd thing for Satan to tempt David to do. Um, 
David does that. Uh, Joab, um, David's kind of right hand guy, commander, I think. Yeah, um, is like, why? why? Why do we need to? They're all God's people. Why do we need to take a? a and he does say, "Don't do it," doesn't he? Why don't do this sinful thing? Or does he call it a sinful thing? Um, he he asks like, "Why then should should my Lord, speaking of David, require this? Uh, okay. why, why should it be a cause of guilt for evil?" Okay, at least guilt that, for that, evil. That's okay. how the the. Um, uh, ESV puts it here mm-hmm. that I've got in front of me, but but David persists and and does this census, um, and God's not happy about that. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not given any insight into why God is displeased, um, but but God basically speaks to David and says, "You've done this bad thing. I, you've got th- like basically three options for punishment. Um, one is uh, three years of famine." Mm-hmm. One is three months of devastation by your foes, or one is uh, the third one is uh, three days of the sword of the Lord. Uh, I, I, God, am going to come and and punish you. And you were kind of commenting on on David's response there of like, well, I guess I guess I go for God because <laughs> because right. God's merciful. I know that about God. Uh, my foes, not so much. There will be no um, mercy from my enemies. Right. And so it it is. Well, tell me maybe why why that story came to mind when you were thinking about the suffering. Well, here. I find the well the way it's interpreted, or the way I I've often heard that often when I've come across this story is it's David's pride that gets the best of him. He wants to see how big has my kingdom got. Look how great I am. Um, now I don't know if the text ever says that. I don't think that text does, but I don't know if it's alluded to somewhere else. But that's the, and Chronicles is that theological history, you know, it, it's looking at all the things that, and that's where we get the kind of the, the bad stories about David, to be honest with you. Samuel gives mostly the good things that happen in David's life. Uh, Chronicles is where we get Absalom and a lot of the other uh, things about David, you know, the, the, the broken David. Sure. Um, but anyhow, getting to this reminded me, okay, Satan caused it. Satan Satan brought it to David. He did it, and God punishes, I mean, I think we can mm-hmm. give, use that word here, David for his behavior, and David, God brings consequences to David. Um, and then I also like David's um, thinking on that. Hey, if I'm going to suffer from somebody. I'd rather suffer from God because he is merciful. Which but, is, but, it, but, but what made me think of it, to answer your question, is God brings this into David's life. Yeah, yeah. God, is, is, God certainly can be the source of suffering that we're going through. Right. Um, and like we said last time, you know, some of that suffering is caused by, like David, our poor choices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can't always... Uh, identify what the cause of our suffering is. I, I think it's it can be a a healthy kind of exercise to to when you're in that moment of suffering to just to reflect for a moment. Is there something in my life that I have not repented of? Right. Do do I need to repent? Um, you know, Jesus invites us to do that to come to Him and receive that forgiveness for really healing, true wholeness, and true healing. Yeah. And, and, and so to, you know, to reflect and, and to take an honest look at our life, is there something I, that I need to repent of? Um, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I put that in the, and I, I hope this doesn't derail where, where we're going here, but 
the fear of God factor. You know, mm. that's such a theme in Scripture that culturally, I think we've pretty much lost. I don't yeah. think people. I don't think. I don't think we're scared of Judgment Day anymore. Uh, un- yeah, I don't, until it, it, it uh, until, until it we're become, almost in that accident, right? Then we're scared, right? But right. in our consciousness, I, I'm thinking like to Luther, that was real, that was present, right? Luther was that guy who who uh, you know would go to his father confessor, c- <laughs> confess everything that he could think of, and then walk away, and then remember three or four things that he didn't go confess, and he run right back there and confess them <laughs> again because if I don't confess them, then then God is gonna just smite me and strike me down and obviously that was too far right right i think that's that's a rare person today absolutely i don't don't think we see a lot of that sort of a person today of that like fear of god is out to get me um god God is god is going to punish me um, if anything, our, our culture has turned God to that like grandfather Santa Claus type person who Absolutely. just just loves you and thinks that everything is about you is just just super, you know. And I and, am a grandfather, and that's how right. I that's feel that's how you feel about grand- your grandkids, right? They could do no wrong, <laughs> and uh, so most people see God like that. For us, that you know, we we just can do no wrong in His eyes, and and that's not a healthy no. perception of God either. I would think we need to bring back a little bit of that fear um, of God, that respect for God and who God is. And, and that God has a power that you don't want unharnessed from his mercy. Ooh, right. I like that. I like that turn of phrase there about, yeah, keep that hooked up to that mercy. Yeah. And what is it? Uh, he's slow to anger. It doesn't mean he doesn't get angry, but he's slow to anger, but abounding in steadfast love. Um, that, yeah, I just think it, it does help and make a person a full person with the ballast of, I don't want to do something purposely to offend God, mm-hmm. um, but I don't want to walk in, in a cowering fear of trespassing either. I mean, there's a, there's a, ba- there's a tension right. like so much of theology is about. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's great to remember. Um, hard to remember when we're in those moments of suffering. Now, it does get but, into this suffering, and what do you do? With, I mean, what when your friend is suffering, which is what we were the topic we were going to talk about. You don't want to hit him with, you know, God is punishing you, right? Or God is God is getting you for something you did. Absolutely. Um, which kind of uh, you know maybe brings brings me to like one of the kind of hallmarks of Lutheran theology of that that distinction of law and gospel. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can remember um, a seminary professor talking about the whole law and gospel thing, and he used kind of the story that, that happened to him in his ministry of um, a woman comes into his office, wanted somebody like wasn't part of the congregation, wanted to talk to a pastor, um, kind of wanted that like counseling mm-hmm. thing with the pastor. And she comes in and right away uh, asks, like right off the bat, um, like what does God think of abortion? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and immediately like going through his mind are all these you know answers and and um, he kind of probed a little bit and in probing fo- kind of found that this woman wasn't coming because she wanted 
an answer to what, what, is, what does God think about this, you know, right or wrong, um, she herself had had one. Mm-hmm. And so he was like in that moment kind of realizing as this young pastor starting out here that, uh, that this woman, she didn't need the law. She had the law. Mm-hmm. She came in burdened by this because she she was feeling guilty about this that had happened. I forgot how many years in her past, but you know, long time in her past, she'd been carrying this weight around. And he was like, she did not need one more, you know, hit with that law. She needed the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what so many people who are are suffering in this world. When we're walking alongside of somebody, um, they know God's law, mm-hmm. right? Um, they they know that God is upset with sin. They they might be aware of sin in their life that that may have caused something. They just might be aware of sin in general. Um, it's kind of like like when um, when we're doing a funeral, right? You don't in a funeral sermon you don't tend to preach a ton of law, right? Mm-hmm. Because you got the law right there. The casket <laughs> is right there in front of you. Like we know. Let's just get right to the gospel. Let's get to that good news that that yes. Um, death is real, suffering is real, bad things happen, but that big giant but that God is is bigger than this. Jesus has conquered death, sin, suffering, whatever it is, um, and and let's let's get to that good news. And I think that's maybe something to remember as we're walking alongside of somebody. Um, to to like we don't need to point them to. Well, you remember that thing you did, you know, long right. ago, where you screwed up, or all the mistakes that you made. They don't need one more reminder of that. They need the reminder of Jesus loves you. Yeah, in my best moments, and they happen too rarely. But to say why, do yeah, you know, let's get to the why behind the question, right? Or why did you come in? What, what, what what's prompting you here? And that's if you can peel back the onion to get to that point. Um, that's when you really find out what's going on in somebody's world. And it's not always what's so obvious or what the, you know, what the question, original question might be about. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and same, same in my life. Like, and, and I'm one of those people who I, it, it's a, it's a forever um, bad habit that I have of like, when people start asking a question, I want to just like immediately start formulating the answer and okay, stop, stop talking so I can get to my answer now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I, I need to listen. I need to, I need to probe a little bit to find out like what, what's, what's really going on. Like that, that question behind the question, as you put it, um, you know, to, to really get to the root of what are they, what, what, what are they really asking this, this question that they're asking, you know, and maybe the question it's is the tip of the iceberg, is, right. Why, why is there suffering? Is, is really the, the beginning of a much larger discussion of like, what's going on in your life? What's, what's happening? What, what are you struggling with? Um, you know, are, are you feeling like God is out to get you? Are you feeling like God is punishing you? What are you feeling like God's punishing you for? Um, and then bring them right back around to that. You are a child of God. You are forgiven. You have all of God's grace and nothing that you could ever do would make him love you any more or less. Mm-hmm. You've got it all. And when we're in the midst of that struggling and suffering, that can be a really hard thing to remember mm-hmm. and believe. Yeah, I, I guess I would like to encourage anybody who's listening is go there with a friend. I mean, if you have a chance to go there, mm-hmm. to go that deep with a friend, don't pull back from it. Because, And, and the reason why is because we're, we're scared to go there. We don't, won't know the answer. 
which probably we don't know the answer. Right. So we're going to avoid that great conversation. But I would say to the hearer with us today, Christ is bigger. Mm-hmm. It's not you, but Christ is bigger than any sin, any darkness, any um, misdeed uh, of what is in anybody's life. So you can walk with Christ into that situation. And then I also wanted to say, you know, there is help for people to to talk to other people. We've used Stephen Ministry at St. Matthew. Um, it's not functioning right now, but the training is fantastic for anybody. And one of the one of the books that we've referenced in that book is Don't Sing Songs to Have a Heavy Heart. Mm. And it's a it's the idea of the book I think is pretty self-explanatory is when somebody's suffering, you don't have to put on the happy face to try sure. to cheer them up. They're feeling sad. They're feeling, um, they're lamenting maybe a loss, maybe a, a change of life that is true for them. Be honest with them. That's, that's where we are. And we're coming in as, as a friend in Jesus name to just say, you know what? This doesn't change our relationship. It's probably going to have an impact, but it doesn't change um, God's relationship with you or my relationship with you either. Right. Yeah. I, that Those are some important words, I think, there. Um, you know, to recognize when you're walking along with somebody, um, it's easy to feel like, well, I'm just as broken as they are. How can I help? Mm-hmm. You know. And well, that's true, but <laughs> it, it is true, absolutely true. Um, but man, just to just to remind them and point them to Jesus in that in that moment right. is huge, and anybody can do that. And, you know, right. it doesn't take any special training. Um, doesn't take any. You don't have to memorize a spiel or anything like that. But just tell people about Jesus. Point them to Him, um, and don't be afraid to just walk along with them. To just be with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's huge in the midst of suffering. Um, and and I would say too, like if you're listening to this and 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 you are going through some sort of a struggle, um, some sort of a suffering, find someone to walk with. You know, maybe you don't have somebody, um, but like that's that's where I want to lean into somebody and say like that's that's when you need to be at church. When when you're struggling, because we'll we'll struggle together, mm-hmm. we'll walk we'll walk along with each other for that. That's where that's why we need each other. Um, find somebody to and, do that with. Yes, and that's what we need. I was thinking of one other thing that as we came along too is um, the Stephen Ministry training for me was very helpful because it helped identify what I, what they call negative feelings, and I ha- I was the classic. Uh, person who was told to ignore your negative feelings. Mm. Don't, you know, boys don't cry. Um, You don't, I mean, yeah, you can get angry, but you shouldn't ever be angry. Um, Well, those feelings are very real. And actually anger is very powerful and to suppress it is not a, I mean, uh, that, that'd be a whole nother deep dive uh, anger, but, um, but to acknowledge those negative feelings with a friend, they might be angry at their spouse, but they don't want to talk to their spouse about it. Mm, yep. You know, and I, I'm not thinking of anything in specific, but I'm angry. Um, the cancer in my life, you know, 
can cause up a lot of negative feelings. And again, our my maybe, and I think I'm not alone, is to ignore those or to not probe them. Um, let's talk about that. And you'll find Christ is super abundantly able to uh, <laughs> provide more than we can ever ask or imagine. And if there's one thing that the the Christian faith, the Christian worldview is good at, it's it's understanding that everything's not great all the time. Yeah. You know, we have we have a a great theology of of you know why sin why there's sin why there's brokenness we understand that we get it um, so like when we come together as church we don't have to pretend that everything's okay yeah you don't have to put on that mask and and pretend to be happy be sad be be it, bring your hurt bring your pain that's okay you don't have to leave it you don't have to hide it we get it let's let's talk about it let's share it let's walk with each other in that. Um, I think we have in, in modern Christianity, there's this sense that like we just have to pretend like now we've got Jesus, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And we know everything will be okay. We have that promise from God that one day when Jesus returns, everything is going to be better than it's ever been. But until then, we're still caught in the wake of sin. And let's not let's not hide that under the rug. Let's Let's talk about it. Let's right. let's point again to the hope that we have in Jesus. And again, uh, what do you do with somebody who's suffering, with a friend who's suffering, with your own suffering? Um, you know, bring it in prayer mm-hmm. with a friend yep. is very helpful and very powerful. Absolutely. And the gospel does equip us to uh, acknowledge that. You know, you mentioned the funeral um, and the obviousness of of that. Uh, I find a Christian funeral so freeing in that aspect mm-hmm. too, to be able to, you know, you're remembering so many of the good things and the good memories you have, but also to say, you know what, we're not saying Joe was a perfect person. In fact, he never said it. He would come to church and confess, I am a sinner who needs a savior. And that is a great, hey, let's take the air out of this and keep it in the proper perspective Great guy, great friend who we miss immensely, but forgiven in in Jesus Christ. Um, Absolutely. So walking patiently, walking honestly with somebody um, who's struggling or suffering. You know, Paul says we comfort those. Comfort with the comfort we ourselves have received in Christ. Absolutely. Tough to do, but good to do. Right. A a lifelong journey for, for everybody. So, well, I think this has been a great conversation here on suffering. and look, uh, This is cool. Looking uh, forward to our, looking our next... Looking forward to a lot of the conversations you have. Yeah, our next deep dive and see where we go here. Thanks, so, Matthew. Yeah. Thanks, Pastor Rob. Welcome back to one more uh, segment here in today's episode where we're going to look at some crazy stories from the Bible. We just want to take a couple minutes. I'm here with uh, Aiden Hunt, our student ministries leader, uh, looking at some weird Bible stories. And, and Aiden, you uh, brought this one up. It's You want to tell us a little bit about this story here, where you found it, and, and what brought it to your attention? Well, to be fair, let me preface this by saying I didn't bring this up with the, with the intention of it being 
a topic of conversation I would have to have in the future on this podcast. I brought it up as an example. Oh, um, so you wanted somebody else to deal with this one? Kind of, yeah. Okay. That's usually right. the case. I usually say the things that provoke other people to have to talk about them. But no, you were like, Aiden, you're going to do it. So, Well, no. good. We, we forced you to dig in the scripture a little bit here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So what is the story we've got before us here? So it is Second Kings chapter 2, um, where... So I'll, should we give the context of what has just happened? Well, let's start with the story first, maybe, and then we'll, we'll okay. maybe back up. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, this is Second Kings chapter 2, verses, uh, I'll start at verse 22, 23. So verse 23. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking up the path, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, chanting, Go up, Baldy, go up, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel, and then he returned to Samaria. All right. So this, this is, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right, right, right. This is, so this is one of those stories that you, know, you probably don't hear a whole lot in, in I don't. In fact, I don't know if this one comes up in the lectionary at all. Nor is this a Sunday school teaching. Right. This is think. not a classic Sunday no. school story um, of some children getting, getting eaten by bears. This is classic Old Testament. Exactly. Uh, were you reading from the what what version was that? You I was reading, reading from, from the CSB, the Christian CSB. Standard Bible. Okay. I've got the the English Standard Version, the ESV, in front of me, and uh, uh, they called him "you bald head," okay. which I thought was a funny insult. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so so uh, uh, the way that it's presented here, some some small boys, it's some children, depending on the translation, come out. They they kind of make fun of Elisha and call him bald and. He calls down some curses from the Lord, and bears come down and maul them, and and that's it. And we we kind of come to a story like this and scratch our heads and say, "What on earth is happening here?" And so, I thought this was maybe a perfect one. We're we're only going to tackle this in just a few minutes here. We're not going to spend a, a huge amount of time on this one, but as a, a way of what do we do when we come across these stories that leave us just completely perplexed, what that just don't seem to fit. And so maybe what's a, what's a first step that you take, Aiden, when, when you come across a story like this? So first things first, we need to look at the context in which the story is written and what is happening, what's taking place around this story. Um, because I think an important thing to remember is that the Bible doesn't tell the story of humanity the way it should be. It tells the story of humanity the way it is. So there's really no good reason for the author of Second Kings to put this in the Bible because it's not good for the whole Christian PR machine. This is a Bible that, or this is a, a story that confuses people, makes people angry, and is used kind of more as, as uh, you know, like ammo for those who are against the the Bible being seen as authoritative or, or as or as God being seen as loving. Because they're like, well, this they just called a bear to, to maul some children, all, so, all because he was called bald. Well, because this this prophet was called bald. Yeah. Right. He's just really insecure. So what but I think we need to understand that it's in the Bible as scripture because it happened. There's no other good reason for it to be in there other than because it's true. Because that's just how it happened. And that's something that I always like to point out, especially about the Old Testament. Yeah. That so often the Old Testament simply reports. Mm -hmm. It just records what happens. Um, doesn't often explicitly in the text make a conclusion from that. Sometimes it just leaves you as the reader to draw your own conclusion, especially as you just said in the in the broader scope of the entirety of Scripture. Uh, I think it's also important too to, to like like you said to to set it in the context. And so for this particular story here, 
the the context is really key to understanding what's going on here. Now this this happens at the end of chapter two of Second Kings, and just a few verses ahead of this, we had Elijah, the other prophet. So we're, this is Elisha, and hopefully I don't mix those two up as we go along. But uh, Elijah was the prophet who was training Elisha, and Elijah is just called up to heaven on the fiery chariot. That kind of, that is often a classic Sunday school story. Um, and so this is right after that. Elisha is, is now on his own. He's been training under Elijah, and he's on his way up to Bethel. Bethel's kind of an important place. Uh, Bethel's a, a center of worship. It's where the people of God are supposed to be worshiping their God in the right way. But we also know in this time that's not happening. That's, that's not happening the way that's supposed to be. The people of Israel have fallen into idol worship, Baal worship, and so these these uh, boys coming down from Bethel, meeting him on the way, they're coming out of this city that is not worshiping God correctly. Now, one of the other things we got to kind of pay attention to is the way, when we find a story like this, I think it's also helpful to look at different translations if you can. Online's a great way to do that. You don't need any special software. Just Google it and uh, find some of the different versions. And you'll start to see where there might be something going on in the original language that the translators are struggling with how to translate. Um, the words that are translated in Hebrew here, as in the ESV, it says small boys. How did, how did yours say that? Uh, what did it call the, them? The CSB calls them small boys. Yeah, small boys, same. okay. Um, the, the KGV, though, are they are referred to as little children. Little children, right. And that's really an unfortunate translation. Because that same word is also used in other places to to talk about adolescence and anywhere up to thirty years old. Solomon, when he becomes king, is is referred to by the same Hebrew word. He was not a small child. Um, so this and and there's clearly there's forty two of the boys that get mauled. So it leads us to think there's a larger group than that. So this is a, this is a large gang basically roving the the hillside here, coming after Elisha, mocking him for being a prophet. Uh, the, the bald head, there's, there's all sorts of ideas what the bald is about. Uh, some of them think that, that maybe it's an idea that when they were prophets, they shaved their head, and so it was a sign of being a prophet that they were mocking him for. He also could have just simply been bald, you know, uh, not, not necessarily a religious Follic, thing. Follically challenged. There you go. I like, like that. Like some of us are. And... Um, so, so he calls down, it says, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Now that phrase is important, that he's cursing them in the name of the Lord. This isn't just he swore at them um, and the bears came out, but that curse in the name of the Lord, it's actually a reference to, to um, Deuteronomy, where, where uh, when, when someone was to, this, this was the response of somebody attacking a prophet. Or, or ridiculing a prophet, because by ridic ridiculing the prophet, you're basically ridiculing God, because this is this is God's man. This is the one who speaks for God to His people, and so so that phrase is important to to pick up in there. This is not just Elisha got his feelings hurt and called these bears out, but these guys were attacking Elisha because he's God's prophet, and. Thus, God then sends the bears to maul them. Now, whether that, that, that I think leaves it open, whether they were killed or not. Uh, certainly, some of them could have been. Most of them probably wounded here uh, quite severely. 
but it's a it's a really interesting story here. One that uh, maybe leads us to dig into scripture a little bit better. Any any final words you want to say about this? Yeah, Aiden? I think I think it's important. Like you said, Matthew, like we need to look at the context of when these these stories come up in scripture, um, and the the introduction to the story and the conclusion of the story. Like it, it le- there's no like buffer space. There's no like we don't get an update on these forty two men. We don't get an update on what happens afterwards. This next thing we know, we're, ta- we're talking about one of the kings of Israel. And it's like, what about the, the are we going to talk about that? And so I think it's important for us to know that these are questions that we can ask, that it's good to have these mm-hmm. kinds of questions. Absolutely. Um, bring your questions to God. Bring your questions to your pastor, to uh, you know, a trusted mentor. Um, and ask those hard questions, but also understand, you know, the, the Bible is... Everything in the Bible is there for a reason. We and so discovering those reasons is something we don't do individually. It's something we do collectively as a body of Christ. Um, but yeah, pay attention to what there is to learn from this, and understand that maybe it's not always as it seems on the surface. It does take some some digging and some research and some some real scholarly work that we're all called to do um, as followers of Jesus. Yeah, I think this is this is great. Um, so don't be afraid of those those hard passages, and uh, keep reading your Bible. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.